You're listening to the Catholic Fragments Podcast, where we explore the treasures of Catholicism, the fullness of truth revealed in Jesus Christ and His Church. I'm your host, Dr. Donald Wallenfang, and I invite you to join me in gathering up the fragments of the truth that sets us free. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the customs post. He said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. While he was at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat with Jesus and his disciples. The Pharisees saw this and said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? He heard this and said, Those who are well do not need a physician, but the sick do. Go and learn the meaning of the words, I desire mercy not sacrifice. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hans Urs von Balthasar, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome once again, everyone, to this episode of the Catholic Fragments Podcast. I am Dr. Donald Wallenfang. It's such a joy to be with you on yet another episode, and I especially welcome all of the listeners from around the world. It's so neat to see where people are listening from, and so far I've seen people from the United States, of course, where I live, but also from Spain and Germany, Sweden, the Cayman Islands, and other countries. Never hesitate to drop me a message through any of the communication channels I have, email at the very least. But I'd love to hear from you and your thoughts about the podcast. And if you are interested in me focusing the podcast on any specific thinker or text within the Catholic tradition, I'd love to do so. So just let me know and it will help give direction for further Catholic Fragments podcast episodes. It's a joy to do everyone. It's a real gift to know there's this listening audience that spans around the world and is growing. So every time I get to do a recording like this, I just realize the responsibility involved of trying to faithfully lift up various rich fragments of the Catholic theological philosophical tradition. So today is no exception. I want to focus on the work of Hans Urs von Balthasar. If you're looking for a name for your son to be born at a later date, perhaps this is the ticket, or maybe not. In any case, Hans Urs von Balthasar, a Swiss Catholic theologian who lived from 1905 to 1988. He is very well known among Catholic 
Protestant Orthodox Jewish theologians around the world. He became a Jesuit, was with the Jesuit order for 20 years, and then founded a secular institute with one of his good friends and collaborators, a woman named Adriana von Speyer. And the name of this secular institute was called the Community of St. John. Von Balthasar is especially known for his 15-volume trilogy, that is, three groupings within the 15 volumes of books, on the Platonic transcendentals, that is, these key categories going back to the philosophy of Plato, beauty, goodness, and truth. It's an incredible masterpiece, I would say, in Catholic theology. And recent popes also were impressed, as Pope John Paul II chose von Balthasar to become a cardinal, but unfortunately, Balthasar died shortly before the consistory, in which he would have been incorporated into the College of Cardinals. And even Pope Benedict XVI said in the funeral oration for Balthasar that he was a man who was right in what he teaches of the faith, and also that he points the way to the sources of living water. So this says a lot from recent popes about how much respect they had for Hans Urs von Balthasar as a theologian. And I too have grown to have a deep respect for his work, which was featured prominently in my doctoral comprehensive exams. Many courses that I took in my graduate studies dealt with his work, and I could tell that he was working out a very comprehensive Catholic systematic theology in conversation with especially European literature and philosophy. And it's very symphonic. And then, in fact, he has a book, I think, called Truth is Symphonic. And it's a real good description of truth. We gather up truth of all these various fragments of itself gathering them up, thinking toward the whole. Balthasar, like many great theologians across the centuries, is someone who does well in thinking toward the whole, not just theology, but also philosophy, spirituality, as I mentioned, literature, the arts, the humanities, a real Catholic synthesis, a real Catholic integration of all these fields of study, pursuing truth in its various apertures and facets. So the excerpt I want to take from Balthasar today is from a book that was published in German. He's writing in German in 1993. And the German title is Gott beretes Leben, der Laie und der Rätestand, Nachfolge Christi in der heutigen Welt. The English title by Ignatius Press, which was published in 2003, The Laity and the Life of the Councils, the Church's Mission in the World. So if you're a layperson, this should have special interest to you because it's about the peculiar vocation of the laity in the church. And the laity, of course, comprise most of the faithful. And we have the laity in the clergy. And a complementarity that is meant to exist between the two, 
forming this one mystical body of Christ, and Jesus Christ is the head of his body, that is, the church. In these reflections, Balthasar begins by saying, the starting point decides everything in advance. I just love this enigmatic saying, and I've heard it put other ways too. Begin with the end in mind. I think Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, this may be one of those seven habits. I read it some years ago. Begin with the end in mind. Set your sights on a goal, on a destination, and you just might get there. I think it's good to have dreams, especially for young people, but also as we get older, to keep dreaming about the ways God might want to be at work in your life. This is the most exciting dream I have found in my own life. I grew up full of dreams, my head and my heart always full of dreams, especially having to do with pursuing professional sports, whether football, basketball, baseball, or even music or art. It's good to have dreams. It's important not to stop dreaming, not to stop striving, but even better to strive with God. That's what this podcast episode is about. How do we live and strive and make our goals and pursue our goals with God? A similar quote I want to take from one of my mentors, who I have featured in a previous podcast, Jean-Luc Marion, French philosopher. He wrote a book on the work of St. Augustine called In the Self's Place, The Approach of St. Augustine. In this book, at the very beginning of chapter 1, dealing with the concept of confessio, or confession in the work of St. Augustine, Marion writes this, The point of departure most often decides the point of arrival, for the target depends on the aim, and the aim on the sight and the angle of the shot. The exercise of thought makes no exception to this rule, It even makes it all the more imperative since, in this case, more than in any other, nobody can turn back once out of the gate or take back the shot once fired. And for that matter, there is no second chance at a first beginning. All this is to say, it is very important to begin well. Even, we might say, to take time to begin, and especially to begin with God, and perhaps to begin again with God at this juncture of your life. No matter what's happened in the past, and with the future being a great question, as I like to say, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future, and that is God. To begin well with God. God, who in a sense is always beginning in our lives, in our relationship. This might be one of the great mysteries of the meaning of eternity, perpetual beginning, where end is beginning, and beginning reveals the end. So as we set out in following Christ, like we read in the opening prayer about St. Matthew, who when Jesus said to him the simple words, follow me, He simply got up and followed him. This is true of all the great biblical figures, Noah and family, Abraham and Sarah, 
so many others of the saints live like this. This is what Balthasar is getting at in these writings. Being ready to begin with God every day, every night. Permitting ourselves to be made available just like God the Son was to the will of God the Father. Making himself available to be sent by the Father and to be led by God the Holy Spirit in his mission. The fundamental act of Jesus' existence, Balthasar writes, is that he does not his own will, but the will of his Father. And all his individual tasks are specifications of this fundamental act of abandoning himself to the Father's will. Balthasar is very good at getting into a rich theology of God who has revealed himself to be a trinity of persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. How all three persons are the same God, share the same divine substance, but each one themselves is perfectly unique and different from the other. So Balthasar serves up a rich Trinitarian theology across his work, and he goes on to say in this book that everything in Christ's existence, Christ, Jesus, who is God the Son, become human through the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary and her obedient response to God the Father's will. Everything in Christ's existence is fruitful because beyond all his own plans, he allows himself to be planned by the Father. He would never have been able to use himself so thoroughly as he is used and abused for the salvation of the world. Very careful language there. Incredibly careful language. And I'm working off an English translation. I don't have the original German in front of me. But it's very figurative language when he says used and abused because, of course, we should reject even as followers of Christ and especially as followers of Christ. Every form of abuse in our direction or anyone's direction. We are people who protest against abuse, but not against suffering per se. So I think what Balthasar is getting at here is in following Christ, we also commit to the meaningfulness and the redemptive value of suffering, not abuse and not not even use. So this language, it's, it's very figurative and, and probably I should have glossed over it. But I'm treating a fragment and doing my best as a theologian to think through it instead of just leap over it. But the point here is that everything in Christ's existence is fruitful because beyond all his own plans, he allowed himself to be planned by the Father. There's a great paradox in Christian discipleship. We are perfectly free when we are perfectly obedient to God the Father. God the Son, Jesus Christ, Balthasar says, is the one who makes known an infinite loving availability to the Father that allows the Father to do more with him than the Son himself would be able to do in his own power. This is the one a priori condition, that is, condition set in advance, prior condition, condition for the possibility of all the initiatives the Father takes for the reconciliation of the worlds. This is a key to understanding what it means to follow Jesus. We must have, in our hearts especially, but with 
our entire soul and body, loving availability to the will of God the Father that allows God the Father to do with us more than we ever could do on our own with our best made plans. This is the key that unlocks the door to Christian freedom, this great readiness, this complete availability. What Balthasar calls a Marian availability, thinking of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus, therefore the mother of God. And when we read in the Gospel of St. Luke at the beginning that this angel Gabriel comes to her and said she has been chosen to be the mother of the Savior of the world. And she responds out of her free will, yes, but responds by entering into the greatest freedom possible through obedience. In the Latin translation of the Greek, Ece ancilla domini, fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to your word. And so the uncreated God takes on created flesh in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary because of her yes. We call this in theology her fiat. Fiat, this let it be done unto me. Let it be done unto me according to your word, O God. So it must be with every true follower of Christ, where we have a solidarity with the world, and the life of the Christian takes on a fundamental Marian structure of this absolute readiness in relation to the will of God the Father. This is a gift of self to the absolute. Also, the absolute gift of self, Balthasar says. That is the abandoning of a will of one's own that would lay down conditions for God. That's what we don't want to have in relation to God is conditions for God. I'll follow you, God, if you do this or that for me. Or if all these conditions are right, then I'll take the next step. No, instead, this is about handing over yourself this is to say, naturally, the one who hands himself or herself over will not be allowed to see on earth the fruits of his or her self-gift. This we also have to be ready for. The way God works is gradually involving a lot of patience on our part. We want results. We want a payout sooner than later. We want short-term gains. But this is not how God seems to operate. God takes his time, as we read in the New Testament, I believe in First or Second Peter, that God is patient, not wanting any to perish. And so for God, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. God is patient and merciful, awaiting our conversion. So altogether, Balthasar is getting at the form of the life of Jesus, which we say is characterized by what are called the evangelical councils of poverty, chastity, and obedience. People who enter religious life or consecrated life of one form or another will take vows articulating their commitment to live by God's grace according to this threefold form of poverty, chastity, and obedience. It's in real contrast to the values of this world. Riches, we could say pleasure and promiscuity. And third, in contrast with obedience, this notion of freedom is doing whatever I want, whenever I want. 
But this is not the Christian way. It's a paradox. If I give everything up, I gain everything in its integrity through poverty, chastity, and obedience. Jesus, in his life, exhibits this absolute readiness for total and unconditional availability. And we talk about it in these terms, again, of his poverty, chastity, and obedience. That makes a person, in the concrete, ready constantly to do the will of God. Even those of us lay people, maybe we're married, we've been called to the vocation of marriage, or maybe you're single, we still can live according to the spirit of the evangelical councils. And we are called to this, this universal call to holiness. There should be something characteristic in our life that someone could see poverty, chastity, the self-mastery, especially of, of the sexuality of our being and of our various appetites and affections, and also obedience to the will of God. We're ready. We go where he leads us. And here's another beautiful line from Balthasar. He says that in the case of Jesus, the comprehensive plan takes priority over demands made by the immediate situation. Even when this situation would apparently promise individual successes. And the same is true for the followers of Christ. Let me read that again. It's such a great line. Very encouraging for whatever we're going through today. The comprehensive plan of God takes priority. That is the total plan of God, the whole thing, the big picture, takes priority over demands made by the immediate situation, even when the situation would apparently promise individual successes. We have to be able to bracket the immediate and always think toward the whole. We have to be able to relate the immediate situation to the comprehensive plan of God whether the immediate situation is very difficult or going very well. We don't want to make an idol of the immediate. We don't want to spend everything for the immediate situation in a fragmented way. The immediate situation as interpreted without reference to the comprehensive plan of God. We have to relate everything to the whole. And, he says, to the comprehensive bosom of the church. The Catholic Church and all of her teachings is a light to the nations. Lumen Gentium. The Catholic Church, every teaching of the Church in morality and faith about God's revelation, always in conversation with reason, is the fullness of truth. I profess it today, yesterday, tomorrow. I don't see anything else on the face of the earth that bears such legibility of truth than all the teachings of the Catholic Church. Because the Catholic Church is the Bride of Christ, it's the fullness of the Church since her inception, as we read about in Scripture and Acts of the Apostles, founded on the Twelve Apostles, Peter as the head, the first Pope. And we have the confidence of that charism, that gift of infallibility working in the Church that the Pope, especially the teaching office of the Pope, all the bishops in union with the Pope cannot error about matters of faith and morality. Final passage from Balthasar. With these councils of Christ, the evangelical councils of poverty, chastity, and obedience, he says, we are not 
servants, but sons and daughters. Indeed, it is precisely by entering into the sovereignly free readiness for the Father that is exhibited by Jesus that we are genuinely freed for the freedom of Christ and to become children of God. In the midst of our turning to the world, when we take on burdensome responsibility in the world, nevertheless, we are ultimately free in a free availability to God. We are not in thrall or subject to any worldly powers. Precisely in this way, we are able to commit ourselves to our task in a responsibility that is doubly fruitful. At the visible level, by attempting to carry out our task in Christian love for God and our neighbor, but more profoundly, by making ourselves available habitually and at every moment to God in our task, in an ultimate act of surrender, together with Christ. How, when, where, and for as long as God wills. Mm. So incredibly good. What I love about this passage is I see myself, if I follow this this way of total availability to the will of God the Father, I'm even freed from my own plans and self-evaluation. That's a big hang-up I know I have, that I want to impress myself. I want to achieve the goals that I construct on my own. But Jesus sets me free from myself. I love this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. St. Paul writes, It does not concern me in the least that I be judged by you or any human tribunal. I do not even pass judgment on myself. I am not conscious of anything against me, but I do not thereby stand acquitted. The one who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, do not make any judgment before the appointed time until the Lord comes, for he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will manifest the motives of our hearts, and then everyone will receive praise from God. Very powerful passage here. Again, what Balthasar is saying helps us to be set free from the confines of ourselves and expectations we even put on ourselves. We seem to be good at disappointing ourselves so often. Maybe how we manage our money, how we spend our time, our accomplishments or lack of them. We disappoint ourselves. We say, I want to be X. I want to do Y. And we can be so fixated on something that we want to do simply because we made up our mind to do it. And then we have all this pressure on ourselves to carry out what we've made up our mind to do. But... What if that thing is not what God is calling us to do? We need to seek and ask, put our whole life in his hands and say, Lord God, my Father, what are you calling me to do in this life? Help me to do it. I'll never forget that prayer I learned in my Catholic school in the third grade. And it went like this. Oh my God, tell me what you want me to do and help me to do it. If we can pray this prayer sincerely in our hearts every day, all day long, this is, I think, what Balthasar means by this absolute and total availability and readiness to the will of God the Father to be done in our lives. Balthasar himself, reflecting about his call from God to be 
become a Jesuit to enter the Order of the Society of Jesus, he said, I was struck as if by lightning. I needed only to leave everything and follow. Just like St. Matthew. The motto that Balthasar took is inscribed on his ordination card was the Latin benedixit fregit deditque, referring to the words in the Gospel of St. Luke of the institution of the Eucharist, Jesus took the bread, blessed the bread, broke it, and gave it. This is what the Lord wants to do with each one of our lives, but we have to be willing to utter with St. Ignatius of Loyola, Suscipe, take, O Lord, and receive all that I am. Do what you want with me, Lord. Work as you want through me, Lord. We have to give ourselves over to Christ that he may take us, bless us, break us, and give us to be life to the world, flowing from the life that he is. Thanks so much for joining me in this extended episode of the Catholic Fragments podcast. These are some great fragments gathering up just the opening pages of Hans Urs von Balthasar's book, The Laity and the Life of the Councils, Evangelical Councils, Poverty, Chastity, and Obedience, The Church's Mission in the World. Thank you for joining me on the Catholic Fragments podcast, where you are equipped to think toward the whole, to pray from the heart, and to live as a witness.